If you have your Bibles then this morning, let's go to the book of Numbers. Book of Numbers, chapter 33. We'll begin reading at verse 50. Numbers 33, beginning at verse 50. We'll go down to verse 56. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, when you're passed over Jordan to the land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, destroy all their pictures, destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. And ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. And ye shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families. To the more ye shall give the more inheritance, to the fewer ye shall give the less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth. According to the tribes of your fathers ye shall inherit. But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes, thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. Been reading through the Bible this year and uh, just finished up the book of Numbers. When the children of Israel passed over Jordan into the promised land, they were told that they needed to get rid of the inhabitants of the land. They needed to drive them out. Here they're told to destroy their, even their images and their pictures. They weren't to keep them as tokens or souvenirs or pieces of art. Sometimes, sometimes we don't think of that sort of thing, but God told them to get rid of it all. Destroy it. Why, why their pictures? To... To us, to our culture, to our modern way of thinking, we might think of that as pieces of history. We might think of something that would belong in a museum, whether it be an art museum or a, or a perhaps a, a museum of history, but not to God. To God. These were exactly what they were. These were images of idolatry. 
images of their wicked and evil and vile practices, sometimes even images of a uh, sexual nature. And God said, get rid of all of them. He said, to destroy them. When we think about this sort of thing, and we read through the Old Testament, if you've been reading through the Bible and you know what I'm talking about, you get through Genesis, then Exodus, and then about Leviticus and Numbers, your eyes start getting kind of tired. And you think, what does this have to do with me? What, why do I need to read through this? And a lot of people give up their reading of the Bible because of their thinking of how that we're so far removed from these people. But the reality is that we're not. We're not that far removed from these people. In fact, if you, if you go over to the book of 1 Peter... First Peter chapter one. Verses thirteen through sixteen. In first Peter chapter one, verses thirteen through sixteen, he says, Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Peter, as he wrote this, he's quoting from the Old Testament, and he tells the New Testament saints, God is still holy, God is still demanding that we be holy. We aren't so far removed from the children of Israel. And just like the people of Israel of old, you and I, we are in a land that is surrounded by idolatry, evilness and wickedness, and yes, even, even wicked pictures and evil pictures. The land is polluted with it. God told Israel to destroy their images. Just the other day, the 8th of March to be exact, In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis had a news conference. 
The news conference was called something to the effect of exposing the book ban hoax. And in that news conference, he, there was a video which showed images of books that had been pulled from elementary school libraries. Brothers and sisters, the, 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 the images were so graphic, so terrible, that the news stations which were airing the news conference stopped the feed. Before it was done. If it's not appropriate for television, for primetime TV, why in the world, how in the world was it appropriate enough to end up in school libraries? But it was. And I thank God for men like Governor DeSantis, who was there, and, and, and the Florida government trying to put a stop to that sort of awful behavior that was going on in the public school system. But let me just say this. If it was happening in Florida, it's happening in Georgia. It's happening in Kentucky. It's happening in Ohio. It's happening in Idaho. It's not just California and New York. This filth has spread across the land. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing that there's good governors who expose this kind of filth and take a stand against it. But where are the preachers? And as I watched that, I watched it on the internet. So I don't have cable TV, so I got to see it all. It was nasty. But I watched it, and I heard his speech, and I heard the speech of some others within the Florida government. And I thought about the fact that I've never preached anything about it, and I, that's to my shame. It's to my shame. Our text is only one of many in which the children of Israel were commanded to destroy the images. The fact is that Satan is hard at work to get into the hearts and minds of the young people and to destroy them, but not to mention the young people, the middle-aged, and yes, the old people as well. And we need to be reminded, just like the children of Israel were, because if we look back, they were told multiple times about this too. In Exodus chapter 23, just to give you a whirlwind tour, in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 24, 
He said, Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. Exodus 34. Exodus 34, verses 12 through 17. It says, Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, they go whoring after their gods and do sacrifice under their gods. And one call thee, thou eat of his sacrifice. Thou take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go whoring after their gods. Thou shalt make thee no molten gods. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy 7. <clears throat> Begin verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hast cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites, the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou, when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son, for they will... Turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images, and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. Verses 25 through 26. The graven images of their gods shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is in them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein, for it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it, but thou shalt utterly detest it. Thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. God says, don't bring it into your house. And you say, well, I don't bring anything of, uh, uh, of, of an idol in. But let me tell you, when we look at the pagan nations of the past, we know that sexual perversion and worshiping of other gods was very, very closely knit. God says, don't bring those things in. Chapter 12 Verses 30 to 31. Are they not on the other side, Jordan? I'm sorry, chapter 12, verses 30 to 31. 
Take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them after that they be destroyed from before thee and that thou inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God, for every abomination to the Lord which he hateth have they done unto their gods, for even their sons and their daughters have they have burnt in the fire to their gods. What things whoever I command you observe to do it, thou shalt not add thereto nor diminish from it. Do not be snared to follow after the inhabitants. Don't follow the ways of the world. God says, and then in chapter 20 of Deuteronomy Verses 16 through 18, he says, But of the cities of these people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth, but thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that they teach you not to do after all their abominations, which they have done unto their gods so should ye sin against the Lord your God. God says, be careful. Watch out. Take heed to yourself. You don't learn the ways of the heathen that have been here. To follow after their ways. Their perverted and sinful ways. Our streets are like an open sewer with the trash and the garbage and our schools and all of those things. And a lot of times people will try to justify it. And I've heard even married couples say, well, as long as I look, but don't touch. And the sin of pornography has become, become such, a, such an awful sin There is no justification for that. Even going back to the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17. The Tenth Commandment. The Word of God says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet... Thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Sometimes you'll hear people come along, even even some Christian folks, and they'll say, Well, well, that's under the old covenant. And we're in the New Testament times and and, and the old the the, 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 the the Ten Commandments don't apply to us anymore. Oh really? Oh really? What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say when he came on the scene? I ask you, dear antinomian friend, 
Because in Matthew chapter 5, at the Sermon on the Mount, look at what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 5, Verse 17, verses 17 through 20, he says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. So if you ever hear a sharp-tongued, slick preacher tell you that the Ten Commandments don't apply anymore. Run as far away from Him as what you can. He's lying to you. Jesus said so. And furthermore, in this same sermon that Jesus preached, He goes on to say some things. And if you skip on down, verses 27 through 30, He says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not that thy whole body should be cast into hell." Thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. God sets us up to a higher standard. And beloved, what we find here is, far from putting away the law or doing away with it, Jesus puts us on this higher standard and tells us that lusting is a violation not only of the 10th commandment, but also the 7th. And what we find here is that it is a horrible sin, even if it is a secret sin. Some will say, well... The Bible doesn't say anything about the sin of pornography or doesn't say anything about this, but but the word is actually a compound of two Greek words. It comes from the Greek word porneia, which is any kind of fornication, sexual immorality, or impurity. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, it 
He says, flee fornication. Flee fornication. That, 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 that word there is the Greek word porneia. He says, flee from it. Run away from it. And then the second part of the word is graphy, writing or document. So the word pornography originally meant sexually impure or immoral writing. It was meant to arouse the reader. And you all know me, I love books, and I'm thankful. I thank God for books, but I love good books. And understand something, since the invention of the Gutenberg Press in 1440, books have been made available at a cheaper rate and more readily than ever before. But not all books are good. In fact, it didn't take men long after the press was invented that they started printing some books with bad pictures. And the, the first one was made in 1524. Man is depraved. Even our great-great-great-grandparents, believe it or not. Because guess what? They all inherited the same sin nature that we did. And so... They said, wow, we got this great printer. We got this great technology. Let's do something horrible with it. And that's what they did. After all, didn't Adam and Eve do something horrible in the Garden of Eden? They had that great garden and the great fellowship with God and they messed it up. And that's what man does. But it's not just pictures on the printed page, it's words too. All of these from the dirty magazines that are attractive to men mostly, to the romance novels that women will sometimes spend hours reading, anything of that nature is a sin and needs to be thrown out. But it's not just that, because we've moved on from the Gutenberg Press And now we don't just have books, we've got television. And now we don't just have television, we've got the internet and computers. And now we don't just have computers, we've got tablets, smartphones. Chances are you are probably like me. You've got more devices connected to the internet in your house than what you've got toilets. And let me tell you, if you've got more devices connected to the internet than what you've got toilets, that means if you're not careful, you've got more filth coming into your house than what you've got going out. Because it comes in so easy. So easy. Genesis chapter 3. Let me think about the garden. Genesis chapter 3. 
When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. That first sin in the garden started with the eyes. It started with the heart, but we see how the eyes were there. The woman saw the tree. Pleasant to the eyes. Over in 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter two. John said, Love not in verse fifteen, sixteen and seventeen. He said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of light of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And then in James chapter 1, James chapter 1, Verses 14 through 16, he says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Remember when I said that, talking about Jonah, sin will take you further and cost you more than you'd ever want to imagine. It's a true story. The same goes for this. It is a terrible thing. It's a perversion of God's original plan there in the Garden of Eden. In fact, in Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, Verses 4 through 6, he says, And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. They twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. When God made... Man and woman there in the Garden of Eden. He created marriage. God pronounced it very good. In fact, in fact, in fact, God is well pleased with marriage. But oh, how man has perverted that and rebelled against it. 
Men can try to redefine it, try to pervert it, try to rebel against it. But in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 4. Marriage is honorable in all in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. God is pleased with the marriage relationship. That's the only way. Not only is it the best way, but that's the only way. Between a man and a woman. It is a shame when anything else comes in there. When anything else comes between a man and his wife or wife and her man. In fact, in fact, in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 7, He says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Oh, beloved, understand. Sometimes men will try to justify it, say, well, I'm not hurting any anyone but myself, or I'm not affecting anyone but myself and those sorts of things. But right here, God says that it'll hurt even your prayers. That'll affect the whole family, beloved. In First Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, We're quickly running out of time. I got a lot more notes here. But I want you to see this and understand a couple of things here. First Corinthians six, eighteen through twenty, he says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Whatever we do, we're to do to the glory of God. That includes, that includes our relationship with our wife. If 
you're a man, your relationship with your husband, if you're a woman. I don't need to go into any details there, but I'm just saying, that's the only kind of sexual relationship that is acceptable, and that's the only thing, the only way you can give glory to God. Anything outside of that is not to the glory of God, and is a sin to Almighty God. He says to flee it, flee fornication. He says it's a sin against your own body. And if you take that into the marital relationship, understand something. When you're married, you become one flesh. So it becomes a sin against your husband, sin against your wife. If you're not married, it's a sin against your future spouse. There is hope. There is hope, and uh, I've got several verses to to bring out on this. However, I want us to look here at a couple of things in First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen. First Corinthians ten and verse thirteen. After Paul has written down some things here and told told the saints there about the Old Testament examples. And he says, in verse 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. He says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. If you or someone that you know is, is struggling with this sin, do not take comfort in thinking, quote, everyone does it, but rather rush to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Whether you're saved or not, you need to be there with Jesus. That's where you need to be. God has made a way of escape, but in and of your own self, You'll never make it. But with Jesus, you can. You can. And that's true for any sin. Regardless of what it is, any temptation, whatever comes your way, there is hope. There is a way through Jesus. In Colossians... Chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. He says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. He says to mortify these things. What does it mean to mortify? Well, it means to put them to death. 
Don't ignore your sin, but being in the daily business of killing your sin. That's what it means. It's a daily struggle. It's a daily struggle. Be about the daily struggle. Be about the daily business of killing your sin. By the way, that word concupiscence means lust or unlawful or irregular desire of sexual pleasure. He says, put it away. Get rid of it. Kill it. The psalmist said in Psalm 101 that he would set no wicked thing before his eyes. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, if your right eye offends you, cut it off. Now, I don't think that to be literal, but what I think that would mean is that that if you have a struggle with this sort of thing, it'd be a good idea to cut off the internet, get 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 a flip phone instead of a smartphone, you know, do what you need to do so you're not got that thing in front of you. Second Timothy chapter 2. In verse 22. Second Timothy 2 verse 22. Paul said this. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He said, flee, flee youthful lusts. But you know what? That's not enough. Because what happens just like the dog that keeps coming back to its vomit. If, you, if all you're trying to do is flee it, you're going to keep coming back to it. But he says, he says, flee it, run away from it, but follow instead something else. What are you going to follow? Righteousness, faith, charity, peace. With them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You've got to get in God's word. You've got to seek after good and godly counsel. You've got to be daily in prayer and in church and with God's people and and, and all of those things, you see. In this sermon soon, I'll be preaching about counsel and the importance of good counsel and bad counsel, good friends and bad friends. In closing, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 11, verse 10 and 11, the psalmist prayed this. He said, With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander. From thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It is a sin that has plagued our country for a long time. It's not anything new. I applaud the governor for what he's doing there in Florida. But oh, he's only got part of it right. 
So the other part of it is the hope that is to be found in Jesus Christ and his word. May God give courage to preachers and churches everywhere to stand up and to boldly proclaim the word of God and the hope that can be found only in him. May God add the blessing to his word.